From KYW News Radio 1039 FM, this is Bridging Philly, connecting our communities on the issues that matter to you. Presented by Gift of Life Donor Program. Organ donors save lives. Hello, I'm Raquel Williams. Welcome to Bridging Philly. The gun violence epidemic in Philadelphia is far-reaching and has ripple effects. Our panel discussion this week features the founder and president of Unity in the Community. We talk with Anton Moore about his docu-series, The Weight of Death, and the senseless killing of three-year-old Tynira Borum back in 2014. But I think the rise of social media has played a big role. Everyone feels the need to be. Charity Howard's newsmaker this week is an astrologer who gives us the forecast for 2023. We have some really big things happening. These cycles do impact us, so it's our attempt to make sense of that. Antoinette Lee's Philly Rising Changemaker is an author, composer, and retired professor of musicology at UPenn. I really believe that being exposed to the arts and participating in the arts, it's really what's going to heal our society because through the arts, you get to see the humanity in others, and appreciate the humanity in others. All of that is on the way on Bridging Philly. This is Bridging Philly from KYW News Radio 1039 FM. When a child dies before the parent, the weight of death crushes that train. The body count increases. Families are destroyed from one generation to the next. The weight of death is a burden. Anton Moore is a force to be reckoned with when it comes to shining a light on the gun violence epidemic in Philadelphia. He's founder and president of Unity in the Community. It's a nonprofit organization dedicated to changing the lives of others in Philadelphia. Anton is also executive producer of the Weight of Death docuseries. Over the holiday, the second episode of Weight of Death was released, and it gives a inside look at the gun violence here in the city. Now, this episode followed the untimely death of three-year-old Tynira Borum, who was murdered while getting her hair braided back in Gray's Ferry in 2014. Anton joins us now, along with Matthew Orsini and Jamie Boras. They also worked on the film. Welcome. 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 Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) I appreciate you taking the time to joining us uh, here in studio for Bridging Philly. Anton, you know, you and I have crossed paths many times over the past year and it's funny how I didn't I wasn't able to put two and two together put all the pegs together and realize that you are just involved in everything uh, <laughs> and you're very active in the community so I wanted to ask you before we get into the uh, the project um, what kicked off your involvement in community activism here in Philadelphia my time in radio when I was 15 years old, I interned in radio. Mm-hmm. I was working in community engagement. You know, I was able to learn about the community and do different things. But even before that, my uncle, late Harry Moore, mm-hmm. who was my grandmother's brother, he told us, you know, we give away clothes, yeah. feed the uh, less fortunate during the holidays and different things like that. So that propelled me to want to get involved in my community. Mm. Now, what's got you interested in doing this particular docuseries called Weight of Death? Well, when you're working in the field of gun violence and you see what's going on, you know, when you're doing the activism work and, and, and conflict resolution and working with young people, you know, we wanted to put a visual to it and we wanted to, you know, put this documentary out. It's a well put together documentary. And Matthew and Jamie, did you work on the first one as well? Because I'm just catching up with the second installment, mm-hmm. so I have to go back and watch the first one. Were you guys always involved in it as well? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, we actually started with the first one, then followed with the second and, you know. 
just trying to keep coming out for the way to death. So yeah, how important is it to all of you guys to kind of put a face to what's happening in the community when it comes to gun violence? Because I often say we hear the news reports. It's in the news for a day or two. People feel sad, and then they go about their days after that. You just go about your life. I mean, you have to. But, you know, I'm just worried that we're getting a little too numb to what's happening. How important is it to bring these stories out so people really see who's suffering when a life is taken by gun violence? I think it's important to tell these stories because a lot of times you'll see the news clip for 30 seconds. Hey, someone was just murdered. And it's like, okay, what's next? But there's a mother behind this story. There's a funeral director behind this story. There's a father behind this story. There's a child who lost their life behind this story. And we need to put it out there and let people say, look, not only are you committing these crimes and these murders, but you're ruining lives across the board. I mean, just listen. When you look at the second episode of Way to Death, you see the funeral director tell a story how he had to, you know, pick up the body. And he, he was in his embalming room. Yeah. And he had to unzipper the bag and he saw the bullet wounds of little Tanera, and he, he said he almost like he fell back and was crying because a three-year-old who could be our next president, who could be the next lawyer, doctor, was dead, laying there in a cold morgue, yeah. lifeless, because two guys who had beef decided to shoot up a block. Yeah. You know, what we're trying to do is kind of create a platform for the mothers and the family um, to come forward and just tell their story, you know. I think We to Death, you know, platform alone is going to, you know, also help them come with some form of like therapy as far as telling their story and, you know, knowing that they're not forgot about. Yeah. You know, hopefully it catches these kids' eyes and kids, adults too, because there's adults doing this stuff, you know what I mean? And it's just, it hits home, you know, regardless whether it's your family or not, because for example, like my son is 18, you know, and these are 18 year olds out here doing this stuff younger than that yeah you know so it's, it's sad to see yeah and, yeah just like you pointed out in the documentary or someone in the documentary pointed out you know lives are lost the the person who committed the crime and the of course the the victim and you've got two lives lost and, and even you know the mother of Tanira uh, Borum just watching her tell the story about her daughter you know it just breaks your heart you were talking about the funeral director having to sit back and cry. Imagine what this mother is still going through. Mm -hmm. I know this was back in 2014, but that's a a pain, a wound that probably never heals. Thankfully, I can't imagine what she's going through completely. Um, But a parent losing a child, the thought of it is just unfathomable. But it happens regularly in the city. And I talked to Tamika. Me and Tamika talk often. I visit her during Christmas. She has a new son now was able to bring on some gifts and stuff like that. And it's mm-hmm. funny because, and we didn't notice, but we premiered a documentary on her son's birthday. Oh, wow. Um, oh, and wow. she was like, wow. The day before, I talked to Matt and I talked to Jamie. I was like, yo, we should do this on this date. Not knowing when I called her, she was like, yo, you know today is my son's birthday. Wow. And the thing about it is, and what I like about Tamika is that she was able to forgive the young man because even during the process, um, we were working on having Tamika sit down with the young man that killed her daughter. And it was an ongoing process. Wow. We were this close to making it happen, but in the end, she just couldn't do it. Wow. And we, we understand. But it's just, it's a lot to really go through because even the suspect's family, you know, a lot of them don't agree with it. You know what I mean? Like, you went and did this. Now we have to move out of the neighborhood. Right. We're displaced because 
retaliation is big in Philadelphia. Whereas yeah. so if you kill somebody, somebody else going to want to come back and kill you for that. So it's like a trickle-down effect. The documentary is so well done. I have to say hats off to all of you, the whole crew. It Thank is you. so well done, and it definitely keeps your attention. I, I wanted to ask you about the climate in 2014 when this happened, um, because, you know, as we know, there are more Taniras. There's been more of her since then. But you had some heavy hitters in this documentary. We're talking about um, former uh, Mayor Michael Nutter, Commissioner of Prisons Blanche Carney, mm-hmm. former Police Commissioner Charles Ramsey, Senator Bob Casey. They're all featured in the documentary, uh, making some great points. Tell me about the climate in 2014 when this was all happening. And it seemed like the entire city was riveted by the death of this three-year-old girl. I remember that day. I remember that night. We were at 31st and Tasker at Orton Reed High School that day having a peace basketball game. The next day we were going to have a concert um, with different people, performances, free food, because we do this every year. Community came together, and it was like 10.30, 11 o'clock at night. They was like, yo, a three-year-old just got murdered on Edding Street. And I remember sitting in my room like, oh, my God, a three-year-old? This, like, shook the neighborhood. Like, a three-year-old? Are you serious? Yeah. It was heartbreaking. Right. And little did I know, I know now that Tanira's father, Brahim Rice, is my cousin on my father's side. Oh, wow. And um, you learn that stuff and you see what's going on and you ask why. And even talking to the young man and going back and forth with him, you could tell he was very regretful. He was just like, just sorry, like, I didn't mean for that to happen. You know, and thinking back and seeing former Mayor Michael Nutter and the former police commissioner, I'm saying, you know what, this was 2014 when this happened. We're in 2023. So I'll just ask all of you, what's changed? It's gotten worse. Mm. Streets have gotten worse. Access to guns is too easy. These are the things that we try to highlight on the documentary itself, just to bring awareness to that. You know, we need to take care of our kids, you know, know where they're at, know what they're doing, know who they're doing it with. Right. And, and it has gotten worse, but I think the rise of social media has played a big role. Yeah. Everyone feels the need to be. But when you look at that, everybody feel like they have something to prove or, or they must be tough or, you know, I have to be bigger than who I am or what I am. And I think looking at it, we have a parenting problem in mm-hmm. America. Mm-hmm. Anytime a 12, 13, 14, 11, 10-year-old comes to school with a gun, we can't say, oh, what did the mayor do or the police commissioner? No, what are we doing in our home? Growing home. up back yeah. in the day, you couldn't close that door because your mom kept, what's going on in here? You get what I'm saying? Yes. I think we have to get back to the basics of raising our children. Fathers, we can't glorify, oh, I went to jail and I did 10 or 15 years. Mm-hmm. No, because when you go to jail and do 10 or 15 years, that's 10 or 15 years away from your children. And a lot of times with young men, in America, when their father's not around, they tend to look to the neighborhood drug dealer or to the neighborhood guys who shoot up in the streets and, and say, you know what, that's my role model. So I aspire to be that. And I take my head off to Jamie because, you know, single father right there, mm-hmm. raising his son that's in college, showing him music mm-hmm. and stuff like that. That's where we need to be. Right. Fathers on the forefront with their children saying, this is my son. I take responsibility because we have to stand up. Sure. It does all start at home. And like you said, there's a lot of mothers that are playing the role of mother and father. And you're talking about the absence of fathers. What about the the young man that's ended up serving with his father 
that yeah. was yeah. so yeah, that was telling. Like he he he's in the system, and here's his father in the system as well. And this is when he meets him. That mm-hmm. just, that's just mind blowing. But yeah. that that also says a lot. You gotta be there. You gotta show them what you want them to learn. And people don't live long enough to make all the mistakes. So you know you teaching them about your mistakes, they learn from that. And then you've got the cycle of trauma, of course, which always comes up, especially when it comes to youth incarceration, because when they come out, they're already jaded. They're more angry than when they went in and there's no you know, mental health support for them. And so they continue along this cycle. It's a multi-pronged issue, of course. And I hear conflict resolution that comes up a lot, too. Mm-hmm. So it's just so much to this. And I'll ask all of you, you could just weigh in on your, you know, with an opinion here. And Anton, I know we've spoken about this before. But um, what are some solutions to this? Uh, There's not just one answer, but you mentioned parenting. What are some more solutions to quell this epidemic in the city? Opportunities. Mm. Mm. Opportunities. Uh, We started a carpentry academy class that teach at-risk youth how to build. You know, in Philadelphia, um, you have to be like 17 to 18 to get into that. But we take kids between the ages of 13 to 17. Most of the kids in my program, carpentry kids, they don't have fathers at home. We give them a weekly stipend, provide them with mentors, take them on trips once a month because they need that. It takes a village approach. And I believe when you present people with opportunities and you expose them, you'll get better results. Love, too. Showing mm. these kids that they're important, man. Like, that's the one thing they don't even know. You think about these kids doing this stuff, man. When's the last time somebody told them, I love I love you? Yeah. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. Even that Tynira Borum's murder, like, does somebody, anybody call him and tell him they love him? You know what I mean? Right. Like, it's, right. you know, they, they all deserve, you know, like some kind of like love. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's important. You know, we've, a new administration will be coming into Philadelphia. And uh, I'm just wondering, Anton, what you're looking for uh, in this new administration and what it's going to take to crack this. Tough love. Mm. And being honest, we can't say what sounds good. For the media, we can't say what sounds good to just a certain demographic or a certain race. We're in a state of emergency. And a state of emergency is not just words, but a state of emergency is action. So when we look at the new administration that's coming in, who's going to be honest? Who's going to say the tough words and the tough things that make you say, you know what, I'm willing to challenge you? Don't say anything just to pacify me, to say, oh, you know, we want to invest in the parks and racks and the libraries. We get that. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. But we need some tough love, too. If a parent-child is out at 1, 2 o'clock in the morning, we need to ask those questions. Where are the parents? Young kids out. That's unacceptable. That's un- Somebody said to me, well, what if the parent is at work? I get it because my mom had to work. Right. But you know my mom used to tell us? She used to have somebody monitor us and say, don't open my door. And we knew that she meant business. Right. We have to get tough on this. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, I'm going to say this and it's going to sound weird, but mm-hmm. I hope the documentary ends. Because right. if the documentary ends, then that means that, you know, Stop the gun, the gun violence has ended. Yeah. I mean, we would have to take it up to way to death cancer. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, right. right. I understand. Yeah. I understand. So. The docuseries is called Weight of Death. You can go on YouTube and just search it, and you can see first and second installments, and the third one is in the works. Well, Anton Moore, Matthew Orsini, and Jamie Boris, thank you so much for joining us on Bridging Philly and continued success on this uh, docuseries. Bridging Philly continues in a moment. 
More than 100,000 people in the U.S. are waiting for a life-saving organ transplant. More than 5,000 from this area alone show you support them. Register as an organ donor at DonorsOne.org and help save lives. Back to Bridging Philly from KYW News Radio 1039 FM. Well, we've already dug our heels into 2023, but what events should we prepare for this year? Sharaday Howard sat down with one of Philly's much-loved astrologers. Alexandra Kowalski is our Newsmaker of the Week. This is the time of year that people look to astrologers for a peek into the year to come. So we did it for you and called on one of Philly's go-to astrologers and intuitives, Alexandra Kowalski, for a little fun and insight into each zodiac sign for 2023. So Alex, welcome to Bridging Philly. Thank you so much for having me. Everyone absolutely loves astrology. It's fun. Can you tell us what it is? Sure. Astrology is really just the understanding of the cycles. We live in a solar system where everything's moving in a circle all the time. These cycles do impact us. So it's our attempt to make sense of that. Can you give us a quick overview of what 2023 for all the signs are going to look like? Absolutely. So we have some really big things happening in 2023. Oh boy, I can't wait. (laughs) Yes, honey. So put on your seatbelts because a couple of things. The big news is that Pluto is leaving Capricorn and moving into Aquarius. Pluto, this is a generational planet and it usually is in a sign for about 20 years. And so more recently, we had Pluto move into Capricorn in 2008. And I think those of us who were around for 2008 remembered what that was like. Okay. Pluto is the power, death, transformation, and Capricorn is our systems, long-term systems. So we've seen a lot of changes in terms of how we do things as a collective and our finances, our politics, all of that's been really affected on this greater scheme. Now we're moving into Aquarius in March. It's going to stay there for a short time and then pop back into Capricorn and then pop back into Aquarius. So if we are taking the planet of power, death and transformation, bringing this to these collective themes of science, technology, social justice, community, I think we're going to see a lot of the changes that took place with Pluto and Capricorn around distribution of wealth and power. And we're going to see how that impacts the collective in a bigger way. Um, It's got Philly written all over it, boy. Oh my gosh. Yes, it does. Because, you know, Philly loves to make these things happen. Lord knows. And then the other big thing that we have is the nodal shift. Currently, we have it in the Scorpio-Taurus axis. And what that means is like we've been seeing a lot of changes in terms of wealth, money, food, land. So if you've moved, if you've seen inflation, if you've noticed the stock market crashing, that's good old Scorpio-Taurus. Well, thank you, (laughs) Scorpio-Taurus. So we're going to see a really beautiful transition mid-year into the Libra-Aries axis. The focus is actually going to be more on relationships, which is maybe a little more fun depending on how things are going for you. You know, what we're going to see is all of those transitions, anything that's not working for you, you're going to see that change take place. So if you're in a relationship that's not working, that's going to be put to the test. If you are looking for a relationship, you're going to have a greater sense of what it is that you're looking for and you're going to find something more aligned to what you're looking for. From your lips. Yes. To the universe. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) So a little bit on how this is going 
going to impact signs. Aries, one of the big things happening for Aries is that Jupiter is Aries right now, actually. So Aries, you're going to be experiencing a lot more magnetic energy, leadership opportunities. You know, you could be seeing a promotion. You know, you want to be careful of burnout, though, because uh, Aries, you can burn yourselves out. Absolutely. Taurus, for you, Jupiter is going to be moving into your sign in May. And so that is going to be a really beautiful time for you to be focusing in on your health and well-being, drawing in more prosperous energy, abundant energy around just like your physical well-being and how you're showing up in the world. You're also going to just be seeing some lucky breaks in terms of money and security for yourself. So, you know, good luck to you, Taurus. Well, hey, hey. For Gemini, uh, God, Gemini, you've had a rough year, okay? So 2023 is going to brighten things up a little bit. You've had Mars in your sign uh, for what seems like forever, and it will finally be moving out in March. What you're going to see there is you're going to be feel a lot of relief around any indecisiveness or just feeling like you've had too many choices. You may have been struggling with some of your mental health or just sort of having some difficult relationships. So I, you're going to see clarity coming in for you and a lot more decisiveness and forward motion. For cancer, the big pressure for you is in career. You're squaring the nodes and so you're someone, cancers are such feelers and they are thinking about everybody all the time. And this is a year where you're going to be thinking about yourself a little bit more and how you can forward your own goals. So that's going to feel like a little bit of challenge at times. So it may challenge your relationships, but ultimately you're going to be getting what you need in the end if you stick to your goals and let that be your guide light. Leo, I'm jealous of you, okay? Because you're going to have Venus in your sign all summer long. This is romance, romance, romance. You're also just going to be someone that everybody wants to be around you. The charisma is going to be turned up to 11. So Leo, enjoy your summer in the sun because it's just, it's just going to be a good time. It's also going to be a really powerful time for you to connect in with your desires and also really thinking about what it is that you want to commit to. I think you're going to get more clarity in that. Okay, how about Virgo? I'm a Virgo. Virgo, 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 Virgo. (laughs) All right, Virgo, here it comes. Here it comes. Virgo, you're actually going to have an excellent year because you're dealing with Mercury retrogrades in all Earth signs this year. And while when people hear Mercury retrograde, they're like, oh my God. Actually, Mercury retrograde is a really powerful time of healing the past, reconnecting with the past, and doing things better. So, Virgo. That sounds like work. I don't know about that. It does sound like work, but for you, my dear, it's really, really powerful in terms of writing and speaking and, you know. I'll take it. Yes. And so I think like you're going to have support in anything that you put your voice to. So this is actually a really beautiful year for you, Virgos, that are sure about what it is that you want and the the kind of justice you want to bring into the world. I love it. So Libra, what's happening for you is because of the nodal shift, that's going to be the south node is going to be in Libra. And so this means you're going to be in a really big reassessment in terms of your relationships. Libras are always trying to make things balanced and sometimes they can sell themselves short. You're also going to be experiencing an eclipse in your seventh house of relationships and love. So partnerships, if they're not going great, you know, this is going to be the time of let's just call it, it's a growing year for you. 
okay? Because- Drop that dead weight. Exactly. If it's not working for you, it's time to let it go. This is also gonna be another really powerful time for creativity for Libras because while you're going through all this transformation, you're also able to put some sense of self forward into the world. So for creatives, I love it. So Scorpio, oh my gosh celebration party time because the nodes are leaving your sign it's been a rough time you see the world differently now your perspective has totally changed in life 2023 is going to be the year that you implement some of those changes what i'm going to say is it's maybe a quieter year for you but listen sometimes that's a good thing getting deeper into your own spiritual awareness whatever that is for you um, good for you scorps so sagittarius epic epic changes we're going to be seeing a lot of shifts in terms of projects for you. I think you're going to have a lot of chances for independence and independent projects, places where you can really shine. Sagittarius, I mean, listen, they love their freedom. So anytime you can say like, Sagittarius, go do your thing, they rock it. So I think that they're going to be having a really great year. Capricorn, for you, you're going to be experiencing Pluto leaving your sign for the rest of your life. And (laughs) congratulations. Congrats. Yes. Capricorns, you've had it heavy. And, you know, you're also experiencing Mercury retrograde in your sign right now. And so you're just kind of like, oh my God, enough already. You're going to be experiencing a taste of freedom that you have not felt in a while because it's it's just the energy's been oppressive for you. Hats off that. to you. <laughs> All right, Aquarius. What's for Aquarius? What's happening? All right, Aquarius. Now I'm an Aquarius, so I'm like, oh. So Aquarius, you've had a hard time because Saturn has been going over your sign. Saturn is all about reality, which Aquarians are not a fan of. You are getting it together, okay? You're prepared for that test. Yes. Pisces, last but not least. (laughs) Pisces are going to be experiencing a lot of expansion in terms of spirituality, art, and just really connecting in with these beautiful aspects of abstract life, okay? Thank you so much for being here, Alex. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. To learn more about Alex, go to oracleofadelphi.com. The Philly Rising Changemaker is sponsored by Penn Medicine Heart and Vascular Center, performing the most advanced heart procedures in the region. KYW's Antoinette Lee here with this week's Philly Rising Changemaker. His name is Dr. Guthrie P. Ramsey, and I really can't say enough about him. I mean, Changemaker might be an understatement for this person. After a 30-year run in academia last year, he retired as a musicology professor at UPenn. And now he's using all of that free time to empower the community through his various passions and talents in the arts. Here's more. Dr. Guthrie P. Ramsey goes by many titles. He's an author, musician, composer, and a retired professor of musicology. It really is a blessing to be able to wake up every morning and to put your hands on what you're thinking about and what your heart is telling you to do. I've been writing books and making music and making films and collaborating with different artists in the Philadelphia area. Through his many talents, he's helping put Philadelphia and more specifically Germantown on the map. You've heard about the Avenue of the Arts downtown. We're trying to bring some of that energy up here. We call it the what? It the the cobblestone uh, avenue of the arts, or or something like that. You know, because Germantown Avenue happens to be the longest and oldest business corridor in the United States. Dr. Ramsey's most recent project is a book of essays which trace the history of Black music called Who Hears Here. The work just released this year has picked up a lot of steam, taking him from the Philadelphia Free Library to a book signing at Columbia University in New York. 
One of the things that I'm obviously obsessed with as a music historian is our history. Wanting people to understand that the uh, past is always in the present. The 65-year-old Germantown resident is striving to leave his mark by way of what he refers to as music time travel. And that for me personally, music is the uh, perfect vehicle for time traveling. You can, in the, the works that I do, I'm often recontextualizing, say, a spiritual or something from the 19th century. And I'm putting it in a, a present dress, meaning I'm putting it in a, a, a genre that people today can relate to, always with the idea that this music that I create and share is going to be a time capsule for people in the future to look back and ask, why was that musician making that music at that time and in that place? He also hopes to help fuel the Germantown Renaissance through collaboration and connection. There's this idea that all that happens here is the negative things, the violence and the, the theft and all that. But I really believe that being exposed to the arts and participating in the arts, it's really what's going to heal our society because through the arts, you get to see the humanity in others and appreciate the humanity in others. And maybe if we would raise uh, children with that mindset, that we would have a more peaceful society. And uh, I just formed an LLC called the Musicology Media Group, which is uh, right now involved in something we call the Singles Project, where we are attracting uh, various artists from around the Philadelphia area and producing a single for them. Dr. Ramsey, also known as Dr. Musicology, says what's next is that he hopes other up-and-coming Philadelphia artists will take advantage of the opportunities he's creating for them. That's it for this week's Philly Rising Changemaker of the Week. If you're interested in following along with Dr. Ramsey's journey, you can find him on Instagram at Ramsey Music. Thank you for tuning in this week. If you know a changemaker we should highlight for next week's show, please reach out. You can give us a call, shoot us an email or a message in a bottle, whatever it takes. We would love to hear from you. All right, y'all. I'm Antoinette Lee, and we'll be back next week. Thanks for joining us for Bridging Philly, brought to you by Gift of Life Donor Program. Organ donors save lives. Be sure to connect with us on Twitter at Bridging Philly and with me at Raquel on Air. And of course, subscribe to the podcast. For Antoinette Lee, Sharaday Howard, and our producer, Patty McMahon, I'm Raquel Williams. Be well.